Welcome to the Impactful Leadership Show. I'm your host, Greg McDonough. John Lennon once said, a dream you dream alone is only a dream. A dream you dream together is reality. Join me as we connect dreams to reality by chatting with innovators from around Washington, D.C. Our show is proudly sponsored by the D.C. chapter of the Entrepreneurs Organization. This is the Impactful Leadership Show. Welcome to the Impactful Leadership Show. I am your host, Greg McDonough, the founder of Blackburn Capital Advisors. Today's guest is a former professional dancer and choreographer who founded the Dance Academy of Virginia during COVID and grew it to a seven-figure company in one year. Wow. A leader in dance education, she has dedicated over 20 years to the dance field as a professional dancer, teacher, choreographer, touring the world, performing in international stages, and teaching at universities. After retiring from the stage, she co-founded a dance company in which her choreography was featured in predominant festivals such as the Jacob's Pillow Dance Festival and the Kennedy Center Millennial Stage. Please welcome Catherine Horgan. Welcome, Catherine. Hi. Hi, Greg. Thank you for having me. It's great to be with you. So our podcast is focused on leadership. And my favorite question to ask my guests is tell me about some misconceptions in leadership. Oh, sure. I have a few for sure. Um, I think one of the things that we don't think about as leaders and, and business owners when we get started is that our role as a leader is going to change. So I think it may be a misconception that it's a static role. Um, really what I found from startup to the evolution of my own um, business, my role as leader evolves as well. Uh, I found that in the beginning, it was much about operational management and being in the in the grind with the team and focusing on what has to get done, the doing of everything, often much myself, and then leading and guiding and delegating. And then as the companies evolved and I brought on more people, the evolution has now been uh, focusing the team on vision, long-term goals, and building a culture. Uh, and that's been fabulous. And I, I recognize with new people coming in that they need to see the big picture. And that is my role and my job and my responsibility to create it for them. So it's that energy and the passion and where are we going and why. Um, and then that's also important to uh, influence with the community and the, and the customers and the people that are a part of it uh, so that they know what the big picture is. So that's one of the things. Um, another one, a piggyback onto that is that the approach to leadership with your team is the same. It's not the same for each person. Uh, what I found is that actually we have to target our message as leaders to each person on our team. They hear and receive information differently. They're there and have different needs, uh, essentially. And what I found is the more I listen, observe, and aware, have build awareness with my team, I'm understanding them better as people. And therefore, I can serve them better and help them be the best they can be in their job. Because ultimately, we want high performers doing a great job. So if I can meet their needs uh, from where they're coming from, uh, I think that's... Um, the way I'm going to get the job done or help them get the job done to their best success. Those are fantastic. I'm um, digging back into the first one regarding uh, the misconception around your, how your role won't change, or you're going to mm -hmm. be the same leader from the beginning to the mm -hmm. end of the journey. At what point in time in your journey, did you recognize that your leadership needed to change or was changing? Sure. So with this business, I'm in my going in my third year. So it's been a, a quick ramp up in scaling in a short amount of time. Uh, 
I recognized it as soon as I had to bring in new people. Now, I brought in a team immediately when I started the business. Uh, and fortunately for me, they were people that I had already worked with. And they already knew how I did things. And we were in go mode. We were coming into this in COVID. It was a huge rush. I had a month to put the business together. And we were just make it happen, get it done, let's go. I went in back to the classroom, started teaching again. We did what it took. And I was really fortunate to have a group of people who had the same value systems, knew how we needed to work, and we just got the job done. We all understood each other. But as soon as I brought in that first new person that I had never worked with before, had never worked for me, um, no matter what the talent is, you know, you bring in really talented, skilled people, they don't understand who you are, how you work. And so the vision role really started to play out. This year, going into my third season, I've doubled my team, many new talented people. I added managers and that became even more apparent. I said, what are we doing this for? I want to align my people here all for a common cause. And I would assume in any industry, this is similar. Um, in dance, we have many talented professionals coming from their careers and the way they were trained. And there's many different approaches. So I also wanted to bring them together about, well, there may be different ways to do this, but what's the end goal here? And then the energy and the space, right? Sorry to, to go further with that is the culture piece, right? You know, the great thing about what we do is that we're working with children. So there's natural energy and community and families, and it can be really fun and really uplifting but what is on the what's in the background? How is our team doing? What's our energy? How what, how are we showing up? Uh, what is going to be our communication patterns? Uh, how are we going to work together? Uh, each teacher is in their own studio, so I have to bring them together at times so that we actually collaborate and hear each other and learn from each other, and then create that energy for our students over and over and over. <laughs> certainly, certainly, yeah. You yeah. hit on a, one of my favorite words, and it's passion. Mm. Um, Curious as you as you changed or shifted from knowing the team you're bringing together mm -hmm. from your past experiences to actually hiring somebody fresh and new. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about your interview process mm -hmm. and how to identify the culture fit, the energy fit. The talk to us about that. Oh wow, and that has changed. Uh, so I'm new to business ownership, but I've been managing teams for over 10 years uh, in this business. And so definitely my interview process has evolved. I used to hire based on skill and talent. And can you get the job done for us? You know, uh, what's your background? What's your resume? Uh, now I look for character. Um, I look for personality. I look for their vision, what they're about. Who are they? Uh, because do they, will they ultimately align with what we're doing and how we're doing it? Will they be a good fit for our people? I can train people to do a job. Um, you know, there's, there's skills that you can work on with people, but often the personality traits just run much deeper, uh, and that who they are and who they're showing up for and why they decided to be a part of this or are interested in joining a team is what I need to dig into first. So I, I do go into learning more about who they are, what they're about. Um, I don't have a set 
um, of interview questions, but I really go in deep with each person and try to understand them. I do multiple rounds. And I've also found that bringing in an outside person to do one of the final rounds of interviewing uh, to sit with me and ask their own questions is great because it gives outside perspective and they start to look for things that I might not be seeing. Uh, we all have our own biases. We don't even realize sometimes and or we may feel we really need this person and may not be looking as deeply and carefully um, at all the other things they may be saying. I've also found um, in hiring and interviewing and then once they're an employee that listening for their language, uh, there's a lot of information in the details of what people say. Uh, so I'm paying much closer attention. And I find that there's no thing too small <laughs> to pay attention to, right? Oh, just let that go. That didn't seem like that important or much of a big deal, or they may just be having a bad day. But I look for patterns, right? In communication and language and, and how they behave, how they show up, how they handle challenge. Um, yeah. I, I found some things that may be useful to others that I look for now and I pay attention to. Something that uh, Tony Robbins and in a recent book by Ed Milet, uh, they point out that we basically have six basic needs that need to be met as people. And I now use that as ways in which I try to understand my team. Uh, so they, there were six of them, and if I can remember them all, certainty is one someone who's going to want safety and routine. Then there are people who are looking for variety. Uh, so that would be someone who wants to be stimulated with change uh, and the unknown, looking forward to differences and change in their job. The other, another is significance. Someone looking for recognition, wanting to be valued, acknowledged. Um, love and connection is one. Um, someone who wants to be a belonging, feel the sense of belonging, be accepted, uh, be a part of something bigger than themselves. Um, then there are those that want to grow. Uh, they want to be challenged. They want to feel like they're building, growing, gaining skills. Um, and then finally, the last one is contribution. So someone who wants to feel they're making a difference and getting results. Uh, so I use that now as simple. I mean, there's many personality tests out there that we can use to assess people um, on deep levels and variety of directions and perspectives. But those are, are simple tools that I can look at and try to understand my people. And usually I find that there's two or three that are key that are um, important to uh, a team member. And they seem to evolve over time too, just like they do for us. Um, and I may have certain needs and wants and desires of them, but they may not be what they're, where they're coming from. So it helps me um, finesse and change my communication with my people, mm -hmm. understanding where they're coming from and what their needs are. And that's, I found starting to make a difference in, and that goes back to one of those uh, key elements and that I have to change who I am and how I am with my people to, to get the message across. Certainly. Yeah. That's really helpful. I was curious out of those six, which one resonates the most for your team and your mm, culture? Wonderful. So I love growth-minded people. I'm one of those people. Um, yes, contribution, another big one, since we're here to make a long-term impact in lives of children and families, um, that's important. Um, 
love and connection. Uh, we need to do it for each other and for our, our students and our families. Um, so those are big ones I look for, but awesome. all of them can work within an organization. That's what's amazing. It's just how do we pull out of each person uh, their best side, help them be their best selves and, and deliver the best work. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, thank you for that. So shifting back to the second misconception you talked about mm-hmm. and you mentioned that you need to have different approaches for different people. And in that conversation, you talked about listening skills. Mm. Um, talk to us about your journey as a leader and how and when you developed your learning, your listening skills, right? How to connect with your people you know, versus the start, the very early startup days where it's mm-hmm. all hands on deck. We're all doing, we're all taking the trash out together. And as you developed as a leader and need to connect with your team and your people, your skills had to change. Were there certain tools that you leaned on or books that you read or seminars oh, you went to? I love all the reading and all the, the podcasts. I listen a lot um, and read a lot. Uh, my own self-development is ongoing. It never ends. And I find what I need to do is slow down. To listen, I actually need to slow it down a little. Um, it is hard to dedicate time when there's so much to get done. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's true. It's like, oh, wow, the list is long. There's so much that has to be accomplished. But me recognizing, taking the time out, and I think Brené Brown said this best, that when you, you, you have choices, you either focus a reasonable amount of time, I believe she said, on people's fears and concerns um, and needs, or you end up putting much more time into dealing with the problems. That's not the exact mm-hmm. quote, but it's the, the, the feeling, the vibe of it, right? That you can end up dealing with the consequences or you can address things as they're happening um, and recognize people's fears. So like I said, I, I, I pay attention now to the people and who they are and what they're saying. I take a lot of notes. I make sure I have one-on-one chats weekly with my managers and then uh, at least monthly with other team members because now I'm a little more distant from I'm in the day-to-day, but I'm not in it with everyone all the time. They're not my colleagues at this point. And so I need to actually create, I need to set it up in my week and my month to put time in with each person. And that helps me. So the the first thing is just putting it on the calendar and then putting some time in preparation, slowing down ahead of the meeting, taking some notes. Um, The other big thing that I think about when I communicate is what am I trying to cause here? What am I committed to having happen in this interaction? Because it allows me to get through some tough conversations, things that need to be said, uncomfortable things, (laughs) Um, conversations that you'd rather avoid or think, oh, this is, you know, not worth it. Not a big deal. We're not going to go there right now. Um, It allows me to push through that and think about what's what's the outcome, the long-term outcome that I want to achieve? How do I get through to this person? How do we connect? How do we relate? Um, so that, that helps me. Every time I start a meeting, I think about that now. <laughs> what, what is my goal here? Um, and I even ask that of the people I meet with now. What, what are you coming here for? What, is it, what do you want to get out of this? Because now we can start a conversation, um, get on the same page. 
Uh, I also usually lead in either a team meeting or a one-on-one with asking about them on a personal level. Because if I know who's showing up in the room, (laughs) what's going on with them, it's going to help us connect better and start to relate. And I think if they feel acknowledged, heard, seen, uh, we can start to get somewhere. That's powerful. Yeah, thank you. I think we commonly think we just have tasks to accomplish. We just need to delegate, prioritize, get things done. But honestly, that's not what it's just about. (laughs) We have to start with who is there in the room, both of us. Yeah, very well said. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned that the um, self-discipline and and preparation, self-development, and it was it happened to me this morning. I've got a laundry list of things I want to get done for work and family and whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's you know six o'clock, and I've got a thirty minute window. And the decision is: Do I jump on my bike and get a workout in, or do I jump into my to do list and get my day started? And thankfully, I jumped on my bike and made the right decision. Wow. I I think, but, um, <laughs> but it's 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 so tempting to jump back in your to do list all the time. Right, it's so true, and really. What I lean into now is habits I've created. I recognized I had to get tough. I had to build capacity. I had to create time and space because things are going to fly at us. They're constantly flying at us. We end up having little control of our day once it gets started. So we have, we have a window of time, that morning routine, that time I can create for myself to prime myself, to prepare myself um, is so, so powerful. It sets me up for what may come and what I may or may not be able to control in my day. Um, I, I find I have, you know, I use the morning for myself as early as I can I do my workout, do my reading, meditating, get started, mentally prepare. Then I uh, have some quiet time to, to work and focus and, and plan my day and, and start to get tackle my things. But once the rest of the team gets here, <laughs> it, anything goes. It may or may not be what I anticipated and days can fly by without getting tackling the things I, I was looking for or hoping for. But um, I find it's, it's habit and discipline because we're not always going to be motivated. Mm, well said. Right. So let's roll back. Talk to us about um, you, how you got into dance, you know, where you grew up, talk about your, sure. bit of your background and uh, all the way up to starting the dance Academy. Sure. Thank you. Okay, I um, began my dance career, you know, as a young person, I was a gymnast and a dancer. And I knew at a young age, I was lucky to know what I wanted to do. It just it was a powerful click for me that I wanted to be a performer. Uh, I moved to New York at 18, uh, went to um, both Alvin Ailey American Dance School uh, and the Fordham University. They had a program for dancers. Uh, I got a BFA in dance. And I started my dance career immediately after. I was really um, grateful to be able to join the dance company immediately, join the Ailey company, uh, their second company, and toured, started traveling all over the place. Uh, The dance career is very interesting. You are constantly I'll use the word hustling. You are creating your career as you go. It's about networking. Uh, It's constantly being prepared uh, and ready for opportunity and ready for rejection. And then you go again, (laughs) you go again and again and again, and you get a job and you have a job for a certain amount of time. And then you have to look for another job or you um, supplement and have many contracts with different companies. And it's exciting. The lifestyle is, um, it's, it's fun. It's exciting. I traveled the world. I I lived in different countries. I met a lot of amazing people. Um, 
And it's also this very grueling experience uh, physically. Uh, you have to keep yourself in good condition constantly. Uh, and so I found actually, when I think back on it, the beginning of my career actually was a foundational experience to help me be an entrepreneur now. Uh, the restarts that I've had over and over again in my life have really prepared me for what I've just gone through and willing to go through again. Uh, um, a, a dance career it is a constant evolution. You transition from one to the next. Uh, you can't perform forever on the stage. Uh, so eventually you retire from performance on stage and go into another phase. Uh, and sometimes you need to gain new skills, go back to school or transition. Uh, some people go out of the field entirely and do something new. Um, so I was learning as I went that I was very interested in management and bettering organizations. I always found that artists that were leaving, leading dance companies were not well-organized or business-oriented. And I always looked for ways to make improvements. How can I do this better, differently? Uh, and I was interested in getting involved. So that was a natural inkling as I went through the career. Uh, but immediately after I performed, I transitioned into being a teacher. Uh, and, and choreographer. Uh, so I stayed in the field and continued to work. I was also in Mexico the last several years of my career. Um, and the exciting part about what I got to do was learn a new language and meet people from different cultures. So it, it was just a really enlightening experience for me to be open-minded and exposed to people from all over the world. Uh, so after I was teaching and choreographing, I went back to grad school. I was interested in arts management. So I, I worked on my grad work um, here in the area at George Mason. Then, uh, meanwhile, actually, at the same time, I uh, founded, co-founded a dance company. So I, and while I was teaching full time and going to grad school. Uh, so that company allowed me to present my own work and, and again, uh, work on my management skills and practice. And we toured our dancers uh, around regionally at these great festivals and here in D.C. at the Kennedy Center. So that was amazing. Uh, and then I launched into my management career and began uh building lots of skills and practice managing uh, and building programs in another dance school. So I uh, grew a school um, over time. We doubled enrollments and built a staff and had multiple locations and went through lots of system improvements to get there. So the scaling process I got to see from the inside uh, of um, what was going to, what it was going to take developmentally to, to grow a school. So that was really preparing me from where I'm at as well. So uh, then COVID hits, uh, that school, uh, those owners decided to close and I had to make some fast decisions about what I would do with my life. Um, so I took about a, a month to figure out, do I want to go keep going in this direction? Uh, what am I meant to be doing? What's my purpose here? Uh, can I make it happen? And you know, I have to say one, one of the other things, one of the other big misconceptions I see now in leadership is man, you think that all you need to do as a leader is make a plan and follow through <laughs> and you get people to follow you and you tell them what to do. And then, all right, then it all happens. It does not work that way. It is messy. <laughs> it is messy and ugly at times. And it's so humbling. And I had to get over a lot of fears um, and the challenges were enormous. And if we're thinking where the time and context of where we were at summer of 2020 kids were not going back to school. 
people, we, I taught classes outside all summer. Uh, I was recruiting students and families, but what I found the main, the main thing that was needed was building trust and community through trust and relationships. And so as I was recruiting, I did do this with team. I said, Hey guys, we're going to do this thing. Everybody went, you know, once COVID hit and people lost their jobs, everybody went to their corners. We're going to gather our people and I'm going to do this on my own. And as dance teachers, you have your students and you could teach them online by yourself. So all these people were fractured into their own areas, teaching their little group of, of followers. And so once I recognized in this challenge, there was an opportunity <laughs> and that took me a minute. I had to, you know, let's be honest. I had to work through it. Um, I felt very personal what I was going through. And so I had to recognize there's an opportunity here to bring people together. And this is bigger than just me. I can do this on my own, but I could bring all these people together. So I somehow convinced uh, my team that I now have to, to join me. So let's do this together. Let's, you know, we can make this happen on a bigger scale. If we come together, I lease the space, I got the team together. I promised them jobs that I was still unsure if I could achieve that we will have you a full-time job. Don't you worry. <laughs> and I did it. You know, we, it was actually putting the pressure on me and saying, we're going to make this happen required that I did it because I wasn't going to let myself mm -hmm. down or anybody else, all these people that now I had responsibility to. And at the same time, it was building community. Okay. Getting our families to trust us. You can come indoors. Are you willing to come indoors? Um, and then the other key thing was how flexible we were. Adapting in those times was a critical strength understanding that there were going to be a lot of different needs, a lot of different fears, um, degrees of fear uh, during COVID and comfort levels as far as what people were willing to do. Um, so we adapted big time. We created pods. We allowed school groups to get together and create their classes, which was great natural marketing because if one parent said, I want I want to create this, they would get all their friends together. And we had, we had a class. Uh, we did hybrid learning. We were basically troubleshooting all the way through, mm. but really tapping into what our families um, needed and wanted and understood that we could customize things. There's not, you know, one way to do this. Even though I'd been doing it for eight years prior, everything, all the rules went out the window. <laughs> it's like, let's, let's figure out some new things. Let's, let's figure out how we can do this um, and really meet the needs of our people and, and bring them in. So that um, really, I was on the phone recruiting, but really allowing people to trust us, come and try this out. We're going to create a safe space for you and your children. And that built our community right from the ground up. Um, and we did it in, uh, yeah, I had a month to let people know classes were running up by September and we kept growing and growing throughout that year. And what was so amazing to see was that kids were not in school. So this was their community. When the mm -hmm. students came into this building, this became their home and their social life and the way in which they could um, connect with other people. Uh, they were really tired of the online learning. And so that coming into dance classes really felt like this um, really healthy uh experience for their, for who they were as people. And this same thing happened for the parents. I actually ran into a mom that joined us in the beginning and she came up to me in the school and said, you know what? I made so many friends that year and they are still my friends to this day. So families really connected over um, creating a space for them that they could feel um, comfortable in and hang out together and they had no other lives. So again, we had this amazing opportunity and not to be taken for granted that the community that 
we create is, is so essential. And I think families see that now that you need it. Once it's gone, you appreciate it. Um, so, so those are some special things that occurred. Oh, what a journey. Yeah. That's amazing. So yeah. um, talk to us about your studio. Like, your, yeah. What do you offer? What type of kids, clients, like what's. Sure. Sure. Okay. So we started. You. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, so I'm in McLean uh, and we're downtown McLean. Dance Academy of Virginia, and we've got four studios, and we just actually added our fourth studio, built it out this summer, and we offer classes to students two all the way through adult. Uh, our prime age of, of kids starting is usually around three and four when they begin to show interest and desire and, and parents bring them in for their first lessons. So we have three core programs. We have a program called the Little Dancer Program, and this is for the young student all the way through kindergarten. And it has a storybook component and costumes. And so it's very creative, but it, it teaches ballet fundamentals. So uh, they're learning essential foundational tools and vocabulary to become uh, a solid dance student uh, later on. And then we go into the youth program where the students get to do ballet, jazz, tap, hip hop, lyrical, all the styles that they're interested in. Um, more recreational level, but they still have requirements over the years to take more classes. And then we, uh, in the early years, usually kindergarten, first, second grade, we're looking for students for the pre-professional program, which is an academy program. And these students start out dancing um, three hours and increase all the way up to 10. And our high schoolers are, are also competing in uh, regional competitions. So they're at the studio um, 15 hours a week. Wow. It's their life. It's their second home. So, and then we have adult classes as well. Uh, and, and what I really have found, again, covid heighten this reality of what we're really doing. We are not just teaching classes. We are here to really be a support to families and help guide and grow up these children. Uh, we get to create the future leaders. These children are spending a lot of time with us. Um, and we have this obligation and opportunity to contribute to their lives. So I, when I talk to families, it, it's great. I, I learn about them. I understand their needs and their challenges. I'm a mom as well. All right, what's going on with you? Yes, it's tough to get your kid to dance class. I know, I feel it. You know, it's tough to get them to do anything they, <laughs> at times. But when they're here, this is what we're doing. Uh, we're in the classroom guiding them uh, to persevere. And we're going to challenge them. We'll challenge them through love and show them that we care about them as people. And it's not going to be easy. But this helps our kids become um just it develops their character, their discipline, their work ethic. Uh, so it's really amazing to see their willingness and capabilities grow. And they can transfer this into anything they want to do in their life. Uh, our dancers tend to be the, the smartest people. They are really um, goal-oriented and want to achieve everything in life. But they have to learn not to give up on themselves. They have mm -hmm. to see that there's more there's always going to be more and dance is a process and like anything worth doing in life, it's going to take time to get there. So we're slowly developing that, that um, ability to, to persevere through those slow moments of building and building and building. And then you have an end result and we put them on stage, of course, every year. So they can feel that excitement and, and uh, self-accomplishment at the end. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's really what it's all about for us. The, the impact is way beyond what we're just doing in the studio. I hope that we see these kids pursue amazing careers and have futures and that they've learned how to develop those tools at a young age with us. 
Catherine, I could really sense your passion. It's awesome <laughs> and energizing. It's funny when you mentioned adult classes, my mind went to, I've got a 13 year old, so she's going into high school next year. And yes. I'm fearing the day that she asked me to go to the father daughter dance. And so I keep thinking about what I should be doing, but that's a whole different topic. <laughs> All right. Well, we can prepare you. Don't worry. <laughs> you can get some private lessons. Oh, we have, you know, yes, the dads. Oh, our dads are great. They're such fans of their daughters. Uh, and we have boys here as well. It's amazing. Um, but yeah, we, we, allow our students to find what they're really interested in through dance because they can, there's so many different styles to pursue. Uh, and ballet is one of the hardest and the slowest to uh, make strides in. Um, our teachers are super pro. We follow a curriculum. We're always working to improve. So that growth mindset is so critical because how can we do this better? How can we do it differently? Uh, kids coming out of COVID have different needs right now. And so we want to meet them where they're at and help them grow um, as dancers, but also as people. So that's the fun part. Um, and it's not easy. We have to creatively problem solve all the time. Um, but that's how we built this, this organization. And that's what we'll keep doing. Wonderful. So Catherine, how do people find you? Got an audience members that looking for the studio or for you? Are you LinkedIn? Which social sure, media platform? Sure. Sure. Um, the uh, the main website for the school is danceacademyva.com. I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Catherine Horrigan, and then Dance Academy also has a page. Uh, Instagram as well. The school is at Dance Academy VA. And then my personal account is Catherine Horrigan. So you can find me there and follow what we're up to. Um, and I'd love to hear from people. It's great to connect and be a part of EO. It's been so uh, rewarding as well. Yeah, it's been great to have you. Welcome to to your membership. Um, well, thank you, Catherine, for your time. All of those contact information will be in our show notes. Uh, so if anyone is looking for them, just scroll down when you have a minute and you'll find them. But Catherine, it's awesome. been great having you on the show. The insights, you're the first one that I've interviewed that started a business during COVID. So I feel oh. like I can check that box and it's very <laughs> exciting. And um, again, my palms are still sweating from <laughs> thinking about that dance, but uh, we'll get We'll get through that. All right. You give me a call if you need some help preparing for that. <laughs> That'll be great. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. yeah. All right. So great to chat with you, Greg. So yeah. fun. Thanks for your time. That's a wrap, my friends. Thank you for spending your time with me. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at impactfulleadershipshow.com. One last food for thought. Walk on with hope in your heart and you'll never walk alone.